This is episode 12 with Nicole Fisher. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today's guest is a Spartan Race National Championship qualifier. For those new to what Spartan Racing is, it's a form of extreme obstacle course racing which consists of different distances and various obstacles throughout the course. Nicole will further break those down here in a bit. Spartan was created to help people come together and find an environment that pushes their mental and physical limits. Nicole and I will talk about what it's like to undergo some of the most challenging obstacles, how she got involved in obstacle course racing, and what it's like to push her body to actual failure a few weeks back here at the World Championships in Lake Tahoe. All right, Nicole, well, thank you for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So for context, how did you get into Spartan racing and what exactly is that sport like? Okay, so Spartan Racing is an OCR, which OCR stands for Obstacle Course Racing. There's lots of different types of obstacle course races. A lot of people know Tough Mudder, they know um, Bone Frog. There's a lot of different things that people can can race in, and Spartan is one of those types of races. Um, So yeah, so it's an obstacle course race, and there's different distances. They have sprints which are three to five miles. They have the super, which is around seven or eight miles. And then they have the beast, which is 12 to 14 miles, depending on the course. And then they have ultras, which are two times the beast, which I will never do, um, which are more like marathons, essentially. They're out there 26, 27, 28 miles, something ridiculous like that. Um, I have raced in all of the three main ones so the sprint the super and the beast and the championship ones are always raced as beasts so even if you qualify for um if you're in the competitive categories and you qualify for certain championships you could qualify in a sprint but then when you get to the championships they're going to be the beast length races which are those kind of 12 to 14 mile races Nice. So what has your niche been in that? Have you found a distance that you're most competitive at, your prefer? Yeah, so I think my best distance is the super, which is the kind of that mid-distance one, which is more like a seven or eight mile distance because I I have both kind of the speed and endurance and there's still a lot of obstacles that, that go with it. Um, the, the longer the race, the more obstacles you have in the race. I'm still pretty decent at the beast because, again, I have the endurance to kind of just keep going. But I think as far as my, my body is concerned as I keep getting older, um, the longer race I do, my knee might start hurting me or I might tighten up a little faster doing the longer race. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the super, the mid-distance is probably my best. Okay. Awesome. And I guess what are like your typical obstacles looking like on the course? So they can range every, you know, between everything from climbing ropes to climbing walls to lifting and carrying heavy things, pulling heavy sleds, uh, doing a swim in a lake. Um, 
doing different rigs that have, you know, rings and ropes and uh, just a lot of grip strength activities, which was my weakness uh, when I got started in this. So that was, that's something that I've really been working on a lot, especially over the last year was working on the grip obstacles um, just because that was, that was my weakest thing. Nice. And obviously all this, these longer obstacle courses can be very taxing on your body. What's going through your head mentally as you're approaching each and upcoming race that you compete in? Um, I'm usually always really excited to race. I don't usually have a lot of nerves, even with um, some of the championship ones that I've that I've competed in. I usually get really, really excited about it, and I'm just kind of imagining, you know, what's going to happen on the course. I've been in enough races now that I know the majority of the obstacles. They gave us a few new obstacles this year that I hadn't done yet. So this year it was kind of like, oh man, I wonder how I'm going to do on this obstacle just because I had no idea. Some of them you can't really practice. I mean, you don't have those obstacles around where you can practice them um, until you actually get to the race and just see it and do it. And then, you know, if you fail it, you have to go over and do 30 burpees before you can you can move on. Um, this last week, I was mentally preparing. Sometimes you have to prepare for what the weather is going to be like. You know, if, if it's, if it's going to be wet, um, sometimes I kind of have a more negative attitude in my head that if every obstacle is wet, that totally changes the race. And also everybody's getting really muddy. So then the obstacles you're hitting are wet from the rain. They're muddy from everybody's shoes and body uh, bodies. So it kind of just totally changes the race. So you have to kind of mentally prepare or maybe carry different things with you or, or wear different things depending on what the weather might be. Mm-hmm. Oh, it sounds like a lot of preparation goes into it. Do you think your background in swimming helps as far as your approach to everything here? I think the mental aspect of it just being a difficult um, a difficult race, a difficult thing to do. I don't think that Spartan races are easy. Um, I think that with swimming, you know, you being a swimmer, you know that sometimes even just training, it's, you know, it's very monotonous sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like with swimming, you're just, you're lap after lap after lap after lap. And with Spartan training, there's a lot of obviously running that goes involved with it. You need to run a lot, um, or not a lot. It's not like you have to run every day, but you know, there's a lot of running that really goes into it. So you have to kind of have that mindset of don't be bored by the long run, don't be bored by the long swim. Um, I'm a person that likes to, when I was swimming, I would sing songs in my head during practice to kind of keep me (laughs) moving. And with running, you know, I usually carry something, carry music as I go along with me during training, um, just to stay with the beat and kind of pump me up. And, you know, during race, you just kind of have that excitement that, that kind of gets you going. But, um, yeah, I think, I think the mentality of just having the strong mindset is really important you have that negative mindset going in then it's not good because as most athletes know if if mentally you're not there then there's only so much your body can can do on its own (laughs) yeah I think that's really well said and I think the perfect I guess test to you mentally and physically came this past weekend you did the Spartan World Championships describe that experience kind of what happened there both physically and and mentally because I think both of them were very taxing yeah, so I had never been through something like this before. It was um, it was something that I had been looking forward to for over a year. So I started competing last year. 
I had done Spartan races with my brother, with friends, kind of for fun, where you can kind of help each other out through the course. You do what's called the open category, and you can do it throughout the day, and it's just kind of for fun. But last year I thought, you know, I really want to compete and just see how well I could do on my own. And when you compete, there's two different categories. You can do the elite and pro, which are the people that are running for money. And these are professionals and the best in the world. And obviously I knew that wouldn't be for me, but you can compete in your age group. And so that's what I did last year is I started competing um, just to see how well I could do. And I competed last year and qualified for the North American Championships. And it was like, wow, I had no idea that I could do something this well. Um, and then last year, North American Championships, I came in 40th in my age group. Didn't make the World Championships, but I thought, you know, if I train really well, if I train my running more, I really want to make Worlds next year. So for a year, it's been a goal of mine to make Worlds. And part of that was it's in my favorite place on earth, which is Lake Tahoe. <laughs> um, I grew up part of my life in California, so I've been to Lake Tahoe many times. And it's just amazingly beautiful. Uh, but I do know that it's a really, really tough course. You can go up there at this time of year and it could be 70 degrees or you could go up there and it could be snow. So North American Championships this year, I was fourth in my age group. Uh, I improved a lot at the North American Championships, obviously. I mean, my time was 50 minutes faster, so close to an hour faster. So I know the training that I put in this last year made a huge difference. So I was just pumped this year. I'm like, okay, I made Worlds. I'm going to go to Worlds. It's going to be Lake Tahoe. I'm going to be so pumped. And I was so mentally kind of excited and ready and, and um, really looking forward to it the whole time. And as the weeks kind of got closer, you know, keeping an eye on the weather, the days leading up to the race, it was going to be 70 in the 60s. And then race day, the high was like 30 with snow. <laughs> So I'm thinking, okay, I can do snow. It's not a big deal. Um, and I actually race pretty well when it's colder. Even getting wet, I'm, I'm usually kind of in my prime in like the mid-40s. So I'm thinking, okay, 30 might be a little colder, but I can still do it. I'm going to be excited. That adrenaline's going to be going, and I'm going to be good to go. And we get there, and I'm at the starting line, and it literally starts snowing as our age group is at the starting line. And it's about 30 at the bottom of the mountain, and we're at 6,000-something feet. And the first two miles of the race, I think, is just straight up to the top of the mountain. And I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm running, and I'm, and I'm doing pretty well. And the, kind of like that first mile was in the top pack of women, top probably five. And then I kind of started picking people off, and I was leading for a while. So I was really, you know, through my mind, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm doing really well. I'm leading my age group. And I failed this spear throw, which is something that I've only hit once. And so, of course, I was really bummed about that. Took off my gloves, started doing burpees, and my hands froze. And I'm thinking, okay, if I have to do burpees again, I got to keep the gloves on. Um, but as I'm doing burpees, you know, you're doing burpees in the snow, the ice, there's a little bit of mud. So I started getting wet. And at this point, I'm at the top of the mountain. It's 8,000-something feet. Um, and the wind is going crazy and I keep racing and as I'm racing I'm getting a little more wet because I feel another obstacle and then I feel another obstacle and I'm getting colder and colder and I went from having that tingling you know feeling in my fingers to not being able to feel my fingers anymore at all and just couldn't even feel my hands and for about 10 minutes I'm sitting there contemplating in my head I don't know what to do because I can't feel my hands and with an obstacle course race you need your hands. You need your hands to do every single obstacle out there. 
And the swim in the lake at the top of the mountain was just around the corner. And yes, they still had the swim. <laughs> so, and for me, I'm like, yeah, the swim. Because in North American Championships, I get in and pass, like, you know, a ton of people get in the water because being a swimmer, the swim is easy, right? But it's freezing at the top of this mountain. Can't feel my fingers anymore. Uh, I went over to a volunteer because I just didn't even know what to do. And, and if, you, if you get help from anybody, whether they give you a hand warmer or they, they tell you you can go inside, if you walk off the course, you're done. So I didn't really mentally want to stop, but I went over to him and I tried to explain that I couldn't feel my hands. And he looked at me and, and said, what? Um, because he couldn't understand what I was saying because I couldn't talk. And it was one of those things that my face was frozen, my lips and my tongue were kind of not moving, and I was kind of mentally starting to be confused and out of it. Um, so I was kind of wandering around. He told me to go find a tram, which was like a half mile away, and I'm thinking, I can't even walk over at this point. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, so I started walking started getting really confused and another volunteer, I walked right through the middle of an obstacle in front of people, which I didn't even realize until later. Another volunteer grabbed me and said, where are you going? And I told him I'm going over the tram, I need to, and he said, what? Because again, he couldn't understand me because I couldn't really talk. And he gave me his hand warmers because he could see I was just shaking everywhere. He gave me his uh, hand warmers to put in my gloves and he put them in there for me and I said, your hand, I said, they're not warm anymore. And he said, yes, they are. I said, no, they're not. I can't, I can't feel them. They're not warm. And he said, well, they're really warm. And if you can't feel them, then, you know, we really need to call medical for you. And I, could, I literally couldn't feel his hand warmers that he put in my, my gloves. So they called medical. I went into a medical kind of room at the top of the mountain. And before I even got there, you know, I'm crying. I'm just so disappointed. I'm so upset because... I've never not finished a race before and something like that has never happened to me and the fact that I was really confused, I couldn't talk, I didn't know what was going on for a while and then I did know, it was kind of kind of like in and out of consciousness almost. Um, it was just really, really tough both physically and mentally and when I went into this room and there was almost 40 other people in there um, and I, I told my dad who, my dad was a Navy SEAL. I told him when he picked me up from the airport, I said, Dad, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but to me, it looked like what I would imagine a war zone would look like, like a medical tent in a war zone. I said, there were all these people in there crying, moaning, people are being carried in, people are half unconscious, there's medical people, probably 10 to 12 medical people rushing back and forth trying to help as many people as they can. And it's just horrible. I mean, everybody's in tears, everybody's upset, people can barely move. And I said, I've never seen anything like it. And it was just, it was really difficult. Um, I know the next day coming home, I had a lot of people on the flight with me that also had raced and a man had stopped me. He coaches some of the pros. And he saw my, my backpack, which had a Spartan patch on it. And he said, oh, did you race this weekend? And I said, well, I tried racing this weekend. <laughs> I said I made it about a third of the way through the race and was, was pulled off the, the mountain by medical. And I said, I'm just, I don't even know what to say. I'm just, I'm so brokenhearted. I'm so upset. And he said, you don't need to feel bad about it. He said ha almost half of the pro women didn't even finish either. He said they were pulled from the mountain. They had to quit. 
And of the ones that finished, um, they were drug tested and, you know, the professionals obviously in most sports get drug tested and most of them were peeing blood because their kidneys were shutting down on them and their bodies were shutting down on them. And one of his athletes didn't even remember talking to him in the middle of the race when he was running by them. So people that race and do this for a living and literally train and make money off of this, you know, they were out there and a lot of them were in the same state as the rest of us. And it was physically and mentally taxing. And it, this whole week has just been, I think, exhausting for me. Um, the stress of it in both aspects has been a lot. So I'm just trying to get <laughs> back to normal, I guess, back to my, like, you know, homeostatic state. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, incredible story um, to hear. Uh, very moving, but in a way, it's got to be a little reassuring to hear that the professionals also didn't, you know, not everyone made it through. Uh, obviously, you're going to continue doing this, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> what do, I guess, what would you take from that experience and what are you going to apply for, for the next one? Because I think it, you, there's a lot of lessons there that can help you long term. Yeah, I think... Um, someone that I know that, that also races and he used to read He used to race lead. I think sometimes he still does, but also races age group. He calls, uh, he calls Tahoe race no go. He did it one year. I think also got hypothermia and he said, you're going to do it once and never want to do it again. And he said, it's brutal. It's cold. You have to be prepared. And in a way I thought I'm, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to have all this. I know what to do when I get wet. I know it to, you know, whatever. But I really don't think that I had the right gloves. Whether I had the right gloves or not, I don't know if that would have made a difference. Um, Part of me was, okay, I can see what gloves that a lot of people use, the pros use, some of the other people were using. And these gloves are over $100. They get wet and I think they're made out of neoprene or something. And, um, you know, but they keep your hands dry and they keep them warm. Would that have made a difference? I don't know, maybe. Um, who's to say, because I hadn't even really made it to the water obstacle yet, hadn't made it to the lake, but I know that I had been wet from doing the burpees and I was just not recovering. So for me, I didn't have the right gloves. I thought I had good enough gloves to kind of go through that. Um, I typically race in shorts and compression socks and I had a light jacket, which honestly, other than that, I was warm. My legs don't usually get cold. My legs were fine. Um, I just think once my hands got cold and I couldn't feel them anymore and I kind of started slowing down a little bit, trying to figure out what to do, trying to get my hands warm back up. I was stopping, trying to rub them together, trying to put them in between my legs, trying to blow on them with my hot breath. And I think at the top of the mountain, it was just, it was so cold that nothing was going to get warm. And I was watching on YouTube, the professionals race. If you, if you watch on YouTube, this, the start of the race, they're talking about it. And they said at the top of the mountain with the windshield, it was negative 19. So it was just, it was something that was so brutal that I think even if you thought you were pre- prepared, I mean, like I said, even some of the pros, they, they probably all had the right, the right equipment and some of them just still couldn't finish. Some of them did obviously and did really well, but it was just brutal conditions. Um, I think I will maybe <laughs> try to get those gloves for the future just to see if they will make a difference for me um, because I don't want to go through something like that again. I mean, just risking your health is, 
It's scary. I mean, something like that, you always obviously have to sign a waiver that says, yes, I understand that this could happen, death could happen. You know, they want to make sure that they're not held responsible that we're choosing to do this. Um, but training for a year and, and working really hard on all these things and doing so well this, this past year in my races, you know, I had a first place and a second place in two of my races and then fourth at North American Championships. So it was it was just such a bummer to, to be up there doing really well for a couple of miles and then completely getting knocked down physically and mentally. So, yeah, I think for next time, just a little bit more preparation probably with maybe the gloves and a little something more maybe for my face or my head to to stay on if it's going to be that cold again. Yeah, and I think hopefully mentally, you know what to expect now. Yes. You're not going, in, you're not going into a total unknown, which is always a, a factor in whatever sport you're doing that unknown of i don't know what to expect especially in obstacle course racing i'm assuming mm-hmm. you 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 don't know until you do it um and right. how to how your body's going to react what is something that obviously as you're going through this race particularly and probably other races you're going to have negative thoughts creep into your head is there anything that you do particularly well when that happens and have you found like a way to train yourself mentally to make those thoughts come up less and less so when i first started competing i think i said it before but my my weakness was grip um so i started really getting into crossfit as kind of a way to strengthen my grip strengthen up a little bit my body has always responded to weightlifting but i needed a little bit more of it Um, And I really liked the cross training aspect of CrossFit because there's some gymnastics work in there where you're working on rings and you're working on bars and things that you do during these obstacle course races. Um, So when I started racing, I'd be like, oh no, another rig, I'm going to fall off, you know, oh no, this spear throw, I'm going to fail it. So, because those were things that I just, I constantly failed and I had those negative things in my head. And then, you know, I worked with somebody a lot on the spear throw and hit my first spear throw this year uh, at Nats Park, and I was really pumped and excited. So I thought, okay, I've done it once, so now I can do it again. So I've been a little bit more positive in my head, um, but failed it this weekend, <laughs> this past weekend. Um, but you know, the pros sometimes feel it too, even if they've hit it 30 times, sometimes they still will fail it. If there's a lot of wind, if, if the um, spear is bent a little bit, I mean, if you're just slightly off, you know, if your hands are frozen, that changes everything. Um, with the rigs, just working on that grip strength for me, I'm not afraid of those rigs anymore now. Like I get to the rigs and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to be able to do this now. I can do the monkey bars. I can do these, I can do the rings. Um, so I've, I've practiced a lot with, um, just even grabbing ropes, uh, you know, like the ropes that swimmer use to stretch. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they're called, but, um, I'll take one of those ropes and hang it over a pull-up bar and just sit there and do pull-ups with the rope or just sit and hang for as long as I can just working on that grip strength um, and just working on my hands getting used to being on a rope as opposed to a ring or a bar. Because um, for me, I'm, I'm the type of person where I know that I can't control how anybody else is going to do. I can only control myself. So for me, yes, I love the competitive aspect of going out there and racing against other people, but I can't control how well they do. I can only I can only do what I can do. So for me... Um, you know, getting over those negative aspects of, oh no, here comes this or this. 
I think I'm over that at this point. Um, and even last weekend with the weather, I kind of had a little bit of a negative mindset of, oh, it's going to be cold. But I still thought, you know, I race well in the cold. I'm going to be fine. But I think I just didn't realize how cold it was going to be at that top of that mountain. Because um, like I said, the first few miles I was fine. And then once I got wet and once I was up there at 8,000 feet and it was negative whatever, it was, I just, I just don't think I was prepared for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. one, one way that I've noticed athletes can prepare for something that might be unknown, a new environment of, you know, whether it be super cold or a bigger meet that they've been to in the past is through visualization. Um, and the power of that, have you used visualization in Spartan racing? You probably have in swimming, I would imagine. Is it something that you've translated over to this? So I definitely use it a lot in swimming and I would use it to the point in swimming where I would close my eyes and time myself through races. You know, my, the 100 breaststroke was my main race, and I would sit there and time myself, and I would get within a second of what my goal time would be on a regular basis, that I would have it down pat, like from start to finish. Um, I think with these races, I don't do it to the same degree. Um, it can be hard because you don't know what the race is going to look like until just a couple of days before they don't release the map. So up until about two to three days before, you have no idea the order of the, the, um, the obstacles are going to come. I mean, if you're starting off with like something that you get wet, that could change your race. Or if you know you're not going to get wet until the end, that could change your race. If you have an obstacle that you know you're going to fail and you know you're going to have to do burpees right out the gate, that changes your race. So not that I try to think negative, like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to make this one. I'm going to do burpees right away. But for me, I, I like to look at that map and just kind of mentally be ready. So yeah, in my mind, I kind of imagine like, okay, I know I'm gonna have the rope climb and then I'm gonna have the rig and then I'm gonna have this. So I picture them in my mind of what they look like. Um, I don't really visualize a lot of just trying to be successful. I think on the couple now that I have failed and I haven't done yet, there's something new this year called the beater, which I've now seen twice and I haven't been able to do it yet. I haven't been able to figure it out and it's rotating bars. It literally looks like a, like a beater in the kitchen. Um, and so you grab it, it's like a monkey bar, but then it moves and you have to kind of move and swing with it. And I just haven't figured it out yet. And I know it's something that probably each time I do it, I'll figure a little bit more of it out. So with that one, I've, I've tried to watch videos of other people doing it. And then I try to imagine myself looking like them. Um, but that might be the only thing that I really visualize. Because um, for me, it's just mostly preparing in my head what the race will look like once I see the map. Mm-hmm. One other thing I want to touch on with visualization that I found super interesting. I have a little bit of a background in coaching science from... Um, my time in college took a few courses on that and one of the interesting aspects of visualization that I found from all that was that people usually visualize either in the first person or a third person point of view Um, and depending on which one you viewed yourself as it said something about you Um, you were kind of more outcome focused if you we're looking at it from the third person point of view because you were also picturing other people competing there and you were more internally driven and worried about your own performance if you were in a first person kind of view. Have you 
do you have a preference between which one that you visualize or not really? I mean, I always visualize myself. Like I said, like that, that one, that one obstacle that I haven't been able to do yet this year that's new. I just, in my head, I'll picture other people doing it. And then I try to visualize myself doing it. From like a first person. Yes. Like I, I, I watch them and then I kind of just think about myself doing it to try to imagine it. Um, it's kind of like something that, that like at CrossFit, um, I'll use this as an example. So something that I've been struggling with that I really have been trying to do is a ring muscle up. I can do bar muscle ups and I can do a lot of other things. And there's something about the ring, uh, that I, I haven't been able to do. And it's hard for me to do it because I can do the movement when I do it with like bands and scaled versions but I just, I haven't been able myself to be able to get into the right position. So it's kind of like that where if I can't even get myself in the right position or do the movement correctly, it's, it's, it's hard. So I do try to visualize myself doing it, but because I haven't done it or been successful at it yet, there's, I think still that block, you know, there's kind of like a block in there, a blockage. I mean, mm-hmm. um, that kind of holds me back. But as I'm racing and imagine myself going through a course, I do visualize myself. I don't want to visualize anybody else because, I, I, you know, that's their race. You know, I want to visualize myself and what I'm going to be looking like because that's what's going to happen on race day. And that's how I'm going to be successful because I have to be me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like at the end of the day, that's what you should be concerned about. And all these yeah. sports, um, it's good to be competitive. But it, I think at the end of the day, it's it's an internal battle and measure of, okay, I was better than I was the last time. And no matter what the outcome was, you could have won last time and then gotten second or third the next time, but you did a personal best. You should be happier about that personal best than than the outcome. Yeah. Um, Now, as far as, I guess, your pre-race routine, is there something physically you do or mentally? Um, that kind of gets you locked in, ready to go, kind of zone out everything else? Um, usually I, for pre-race, I mean, I usually eat like a decent meal several hours before. Um, I like to have a little caffeine before. <laughs> um, and then I just, you know, jog around the, the area before, get some good stretching in, roll out usually. Um and just make sure that I'm prepped. So I have the right clothes on, the right gear, the right shoes, the right whatever I need. Um, just making sure that I'm prepped, I think, solidifies my, um, I'm trying to think of the word, just just feeling like I'm prepared, you know? And, and as an athlete, just making sure that you're warmed up properly. So for me, if I need to spend, you know, in a colder race, I'm gonna need to warm up a little bit more or stretch a little bit more keep that coat on a little bit more before I get rid of it and, and ditch it to whoever's there with me or wait a little longer to check my bag or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, sometimes I like to go and watch the pros start and just kind of see them take off because a lot of people are watching them start and it's kind of exciting to see those elite runners out there. I mean, they're the best in the world at what they do. So watching them take off for the race is kind of fun, and that gets me excited because I know like they're getting they're they're getting started, and then it kind of gets me pumped up. And usually when I warm up, I'll listen to my music, and that kind of gets my heart rate going as well. Um, and I think yeah, I think that's about it. I mean I don't 
I don't know if I necessarily do anything special with swimming. It was the same thing, swimming through college. It was just listen to music, stretch, kind of get myself pumped up. Um, you know, I know sometimes doing that, the mental aspect of it, but again, with, with Spartan, I don't, I don't know if I do so much as, so much more visualization than I did in college with swimming. Cause with swimming, right? We have like a couple of races mm -hmm. where you specifically have that one race and I was more of a sprinter. So my races would be done in, you know, 50 breaststroke and a relay is 29 seconds. And then, you know, your hundred is whatever. Whereas with these Spartan races, you know, if I'm doing a beast, I'm out there for three plus hours. So for me to visualize a whole race is a little different. Um, so I just kind of get myself pumped up, get ready for it, and just, just kind of be ready for where the obstacles are in the race and where I can, kind of just need to focus the most, I think, on. Uh, it's funny you hit it. I mean, being distance swimmer background, <laughs> I had a hard enough time visualizing the mile yeah. being 15 like minutes. 15 minutes. Yeah. I can't imagine like... <laughs> all yeah. times that by 10 or so. Um, one of the things that I did for to lock me in right before the race, some people that I competed against definitely know, and they probably hated it, was I had three claps on the block. That was it. It was not two, not four. I just, I've, for whatever reason, I started in high school. Three claps got me ready to go, zoned in, locked in. And it was funny, throughout my career, I had teammates that, picked that up as well mm -hmm. um so it wasn't always unique just to me um i mean phelps has his you know everyone yeah. every swimmer knows that one where he just flaps his arms around and, and gets ready i think everyone has those little things that gets them in the right spot um that's funny because when now that you mention it i don't have it with the spartan racing but with swimming, I did. I always cracked both, both hands with my knuckles and both toes, like my toes, like I'd roll my toes out. And it was really weird and people thought it was really gross, but that was it. It was like just release, releasing that tension in my joints with my toes and my fingers. Um, but yeah, I did the same thing. Every, everyone <laughs> finds, I think everyone, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, finds something that they gravitate to, yeah. to lock in. Uh, and... Sometimes it just takes something to, to jog that memory. Uh, now, I want to I touch on, I guess, in lack of a better term, handling disappointment mm -hmm. in, in sports and in athletics. And kind of, is there anything that you, lessons that have disappointments have taught you and advice for those people um, dealing with them currently to I guess better handle them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm still still dealing with the disappointment from last week. Um, you know, the one thing that it took me a long time to learn it um, as an athlete, and I think it took me through college to learn it, is that, you know, you're going to have good races and bad races. No athlete is going to perform 100% every single time they go out there. I mean, not that you're not giving 100%, but you're never going to go out every single time and have it best. You're not. That just does It's not feasible. Um, and the better athlete you are, it's definitely not feasible. So I think, you know, as a coach now, um, and I've been coaching in some aspect for over 20 years, um, I think it's, I have to remind myself of that, of when my athletes get upset, it's like, it's okay. You're allowed to be disappointed in yourself because as athletes, we expect the best. We work our butts off. We want to do well. And of course we're going to be disappointed if, if we don't have a good time or if we don't have a good performance and we don't do as well as we had hoped. 
And with all the training that we put into it, it, it can be heartbreaking. Um, and I always will tell my athletes, you know, one race does not define who you are. And it's really funny because after I posted with my disappointment from Tahoe last week, I had so many people that reached out to me and they said the exact same thing to me. One race does not, you know, define who you are. You're a beast. You're a, and, and I know that. And I know that. And it, and it doesn't necessarily make me feel better, you know, and, and seeing that, seeing that, yeah, half the, half the pro women or close to half the pro women also had to drop out or didn't finish. I don't know if that necessarily makes me feel better. I mean, you're still going to be disappointed. Um, you don't want that to happen to anybody, but, um, you know, I mean, over time you're going to forget about it. And I think the disappointment and being that upset about it also drives you to another outlet, whether that's, you let out your energy in a different way. You go to the gym and start like just destroying stuff in the gym. Like you lift harder or you do something better. Um, or you just sign up for another race, which is actually what I did. I actually uh, was planning for Tahoe to be my last race for the year. I was thinking, oh, you know, I'll just end at World Championships. And that is technically the end of this season for Spartan Racing. But because I didn't finish the race, I didn't want to end on that note this year. So I sign up for another race that's in three weeks. It's in Virginia, um, and it's a super, which is that mid distance that I think is my best my best distance. I, I did it last year, and came in second there. But um, but I, but I sign up for another race. It's like you know I just I have to focus that energy in another direction now and just kind of redeem myself in a way because you know like I said I mean one one race cannot define who you are and and. Even though I had an amazing year with the rest of my races, um, that, disappoint, that disappointment from last weekend is still there, and I'm sure it's going to be there for a long time. But just knowing that there's a lot more that I can do and not to give up, every athlete, I think, knows that. And whether it takes you a week to get over it or a year to get over it or four years, you know, I mean, there's Olympians that feel that way for four years until mm -hmm. they have their, you know, redemption or they have that chance again to go back and compete on that stage. And, uh, and for me, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't want to end on that note <laughs> from last weekend. So I just got to look forward now to the, to the next aspect and keep, keep kind of plugging away. <laughs> yeah. I think what's unique about Spartan racing versus swimming, swimming, it was almost easier, um, because you had that next event usually at the same meet um, right. unless it was you know the last event of the meet that was your quote-unquote disappointing swim you kind of had I mean within 12 hours most likely you had another one to do um, I was one thing I learned was just you're allowed to acknowledge it and you're allowed to sit there and be like okay that didn't go well that didn't go as well as expected and but that's okay um, like you said I won't let it define me um, I think every I guess disappointment has a shelf life of how long you can dwell on it and at some point it's most important to to find that next thing and and move on and focus on the next play the next race whatever it may be just finding that next step will help you get over it quicker and hopefully you learn something from it and right. make some changes <laughs> so that yeah. that doesn't happen as as often uh, moving forward what's um 
kind of like the biggest takeaway that you've had, whether through Spartan racing, through your just athletic career in general, that you implement now into your everyday life that you've learned? Um, I think not to not to give up when things get tough or when you're disappointed in something or if you fail at something. Um, and I think that transfers into my job because I have to teach the, I have to I teach kids. So I'm a teacher, which is very similar obviously to being a coach, right? So you're you're teaching in some sort of way. And that transfers to athletics a lot. Um, kids fail tests and to me, as a teacher, you know, my, that's my job to help them become a better student. So I need to motivate them and then I need to figure out for myself, okay, every child learns in a different way. And it's kind of like an athlete. You can't coach every athlete in the same way. And you can't say the same thing to an, every athlete. There are some athletes that you know when they get out of the pool or when they finish a race that they need you right away. They need a hug. They need you to tell you, you know, they need you to tell them it's going to be okay. You have another race. It's fine. And then there's the athletes that are, that you know that you need to leave alone for like an hour. <laughs> let them go off. Let them be pissed off for a few minutes and then they'll come to you or you can find them later. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's, that's kind of the thing is like with failure, no matter what it is, like you have to, for me, I get to teach those kids. It's okay. Um, and I teach kindergarten right now. I coach high school kids, but I teach kindergarten and they're five and six years old. And I, and I'll even ask them, I'm like, is it okay if you don't know the answer? Yes. You know? And I say, we always try our hardest. And I try to teach that to five and six year olds because I don't want them to think if they fail something or they get the wrong answer or they don't know what to do, that they're a disappointment or that they're going to be put down for the rest of the school year. You know, I mean, so that's something that, that I transfer into my everyday life just with, with coaching, with teaching and being an athlete that you're going to fail. You're going to fail at things, not constantly, but, but, you know, regularly. I mean, I go into the gym and I fail at something weekly, at least. Um, I go in and see that I'm really weak compared to a lot of other women in, in the gym with, with lifting heavy weights. Now, when there's aerobic workouts, I know I'm going to do really well. But, you know, I think, I think being an athlete and, and um, having those failures, it's, it's good for my job and what I do because I can help others as well and try to make, make sure that they, they know that failure is okay. Yeah, I think that's awesome. You kind of instill that confidence in them. Um, at such a young age, I teach a lot of... Um, four and five-year-olds how to swim through some lessons, private lessons. <laughs> and that's like, I think the biggest jump in kids' development, especially in, what, in learning how to swim in particular, is just getting them to trust you and building their confidence that they can push off that wall. And yes, there's 10 feet in between me and them, and they can, they can swim that length. Uh, some take... To that for a lot quicker than others um obviously right but i just i try to teach them the same thing of it's okay if you don't make it it's okay i'll take a step closer next time you know we'll we'll build to where i want you to be and, you know before you know it they're swimming the whole length of the pool and they're like how did i get there and i'm like oh mm -hmm. step by step Hard uh, work. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> what advice do you have for that next generation that's 
looking to get into, whether it's Spartan racing, just that next step in athletics, even? What's your advice for them? Um, so being a, being a coach, I mean, I, you know, I coach swimming, but I just, I really try to help my athletes with a positive mindset or getting over the, those kind of failures, those humps and that we all hit in the road, um, that kind of slow us down or bring us down. And then with, with Spartan racing, it's funny because there are a couple people in my life that have done Spartan races. Uh, most of them have done it for fun. And then there's a couple people that I know that have helped me and that used to race elite and, and things like that, um, that really know a lot about it. And I think OCR or obstacle course racing is not really that big yet, but I think it's growing. I think there are a lot of people that are like, oh, I did a Tough Mudder. Oh, I did this. And it was really fun. So people kind of get their, you know, feet wet, so to speak. Um, and they have an idea of what it is. And so for me, when I talk about it, I'm like, well, yeah, I do that, but I do it and I compete. So depending on how much people understand about it, I, I try to tell them like at work, I have a lot of, a lot of coworkers that will ask me about it. And I say, oh yeah, my, my race is like 14 miles and it's like 38 obstacles. And they're thinking, what? I'm lucky if I can walk a mile and you're doing 14 miles on a mountain and you're doing this and you're climbing ropes and like, how do you even climb a rope? And how do you lift this like, you know, 80 pound sandbag and how do you, you know, so I think it's, it's kind of cool to see how people, people look at it. And I, and I tell them, I'm like, you know, it's really fun and I really like it because it has a little bit of everything. Um, I, I kind of relate it to like being a, is it a decathlon? decathlete and like track and field yeah. where like they have a bunch of different things right like they get they have a sprint and they have a distance and they have like javelin and, and whatever I don't know like they have all these different kind of events that are built into kind of their overall placement now granted we kind of do everything all at one time and there's not you know breaks in between but um I think I really like it because as opposed to like just swimming where you're looking at a black line on the bottom of the pool and just doing lap after lap. And all of us swimmers know how that feels like sometimes. Um, you know, you're running through beautiful scenery, usually. Some courses are not as pretty as others. But, you know, you get to a wall and you have to climb a, climb a wall and have really good upper body strength. And then you get to a rope and you have to climb a rope. And then you have a dunk wall where you have to go under the, the dunk wall. And then you have barbed wire where you have to roll under that. And then you're lifting something heavy. Then you're pulling a sled. Then you're, um, you know, swinging across rings and bars. And I just think it's really fun because you're not going to get bored. It's something that you're not going to get bored doing. So I always tell people, if you're interested, do it. Do a sprint because the sprints aren't very long. You know, depending on the course, it's somewhere between three and five miles. And, you know, do it with friends and you can help each other out. Now, obviously, like I said before, with the competitive category, you know, it's a little bit different. You can't help someone. Um, you, you know, you're racing and, and you have to do everything on your own. And if you fail, you have to do 30 burpees before you move on. But for people that are just kind of interested in it, I think it would be um, beneficial for them because it's just, it's something that's really fun to do and it's fun to do with a group of people. And that's how I started. I did a, um, I did a super down in Virginia and I'm trying to think because it just came up on Facebook a couple weeks ago. I think it was three years ago and I did it with a high school friend of mine, his name's Franz. And 
he and I did it together. And I think it took us about five hours. And this was like an eight mile race on a mountain. Okay, it took us five hours. Now I'm running beasts, which are 14 miles and like three something. So over the last couple years, just learning to race and competing has has kind of changed kind of my, changed my view of the sport. But but it's really fun when you go out there and you do it with your friends and you kind of have fun together, but you also suffer together. And I think it's it's also what part of being a team is. You know, you kind of do that together with your friends, and it's you're your teammates. You're literally holding each other up and pushing each other across a wall, or helping them get up that rope, or helping them pull that heavy sled. So um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of fun aspects that people could could get a lot of benefits out of it. You're making me want to sign up for one. All right, let's I do keep, it. <laughs> I keep getting, it's so funny, I mean, just how like targeted ads work, but I, I keep seeing them because I looked up one time, um, you know, the one at Nats Park and, you know, of course now all these Spartan races keep popping up left and right. It's like, yeah. uh, just like the ads are supposed to do, I'm sure eventually I'm going to cave and Right. Sign up for one. <laughs> if you want to do one, I'll do one with you for fun. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. It's interesting because, so I usually do, the last two years I've done the stadium one at Knott's Park. Um, but the main reason is because my my parents are in the area and that's an easy one that they can come to see and then see different you yeah. know, things. So it's, it's easier for them to see. But I actually hate the stadium. <laughs> I don't really want to say hate it. I prefer running on the mountain, on, on the trail, the stadium races are just kind of a totally different type of race. Um, you don't get wet and it's just a lot of stairs. <laughs> so for me, it's like, uh, who's the best at running stairs, you know? And, and it can also be really hard because there's, so, there's only so much room that they have where they send you off in, in heats every like minute or so. And they have like 15 people in each heat. Well, if you're not right away and you're catching the people in front of you and you're running in the stadium along the seats, there were a lot of times where I couldn't pass people because yeah. they only have one row of seats that you can run in and like you're trying to run, right? And like if you're in the competitive category, it kind of gets frustrating because you can't even run around them. Yeah. So it um, it's not my favorite. It's my least favorite thing to do, <laughs> but I know my parents like to come and watch. So I usually, I usually do it and it's kind of fun. You know, the presidents are there walking around. Um, and this year I got second in my age group there. So I have a picture with like Teddy and I forget which other one. You know, I remember Teddy. <laughs> it's like Teddy and Abe or somebody because um, they were down by the podiums when we got our awards. But, uh, but I mean, it's kind of fun and you get to, what, what's really cool about that actually, my favorite part of that race is they take you through the locker rooms. Okay. So you actually have to do um, like some push-ups in the locker rooms. So you kind of get an idea of what, it, what the locker rooms look like. So it's kind of cool. That is neat. It's a unique experience. Um, what's something that you've learned from all of your athletics that you've done in your life that someone who maybe is a non-athlete can implement into their day-to-day life to just improve how they approach it? Um... I think I kind of already said it, but just, you know, not giving up when things become hard because we all have that no matter what it is, Um, whether it's, you know, something at our job or something in our life that's difficult. I'm not somebody that gives up easily. Um, Even with like relationships, like I will do whatever I can to make it work. I want to, I want to be successful. I, you know, the things that I spend my time doing 
they mean a lot to me and it's, I don't want to just give up. If, if there's something minimal or something becomes tough, I don't give up and say, I'm done. I can't do it. You know, like you got to work through those things. Why give up on something that matters, you know, matters to you, whether it's a relationship, it's a job, it's um, a sport. You can't just quit because it, it's hard. So just, you know, keep pushing through. Um, I think, you know, any pro athlete can tell you that they failed at some point and where their, their biggest failures have been and what they've learned from that experience. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, just, just keep pushing through and, and don't give up. Keep, keep trying. <laughs> yeah. I think you offer a, a very unique perspective, um, in one sense. And it's, it's awesome. A lot of this is very well said. You have a lot of really unique experiences that a lot of people haven't done. Uh, What's next for you, though? I know you mentioned another race in Virginia in a few weeks. Are you going to stick with the Spartan racing for a few more years here? Yeah, I hope so. Um, I mean, I plan to. That's that's (laughs) my goal. Somebody somebody asked me that. Um, So like I said, I I just kind of had a bad taste in my mouth with, with ending how last week did so I didn't want to end the year on that and so I signed up for the Virginia race which is in three weeks from today so I'll do that and again I just I race in my age group I don't race elite to me I don't think that that's a competitive category I mean I might do okay but it's not something where I think I could go and win money so for me it's not it's not worth it um for me I know that I'm competitive in my age group and I'm at the top actually of my age group so I'm 39 um, and it's funny cause most people look at me and they're like, you're not 39, which I always like that compliment. <laughs> um, so next year I'll actually be at the bottom of my age group. So next year I'll be competing at 40 and in that 40 to 44 age group. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I know my friend told me once you do Tahoe, you're not going to want to go back. And last week was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life and go through. Um, but I think absolutely I would go back, um, because I don't think that I could not go back and at least try again. I think I just need to be a little bit more prepared because I was prepared to a certain extent. I just don't think I was prepared to the extreme of the weather conditions that it was, Mm -hmm. um, at the top of that mountain. So we'll see. I mean, there's been rumors that they're not going to have the world championships in Tahoe again, but who knows? I think last year they were trying to find another venue, I don't think they could, or at least in time, um, but we'll see. I mean, I still love Tahoe. Uh, would love to go back. I think maybe just a little bit more prep for that that extreme, extreme weather in case that happens again. I know that it has snowed there in the past, but again, when I was watching the, the pros on YouTube with their race, I think they said it's never been that bad. It's never been to the extreme that, that it was last weekend, um, and you know, people that I've talked to, they're like, why do they have it there? Why do they have it there? And I'm like, it's a great mountain. It really is. I mean, it tests, it tests, it really does test your, your ability to fight through. And for, like I said, four days before it was 70 degrees. So you just, you never know. It could be 70 or it could be negative 19 with the windshield at the top of that mountain. So, um, so I don't know. So we'll see. So Regina in a couple weeks and then, um, I continue, I, I will continue to race Spartan. That's my goal. Um, and then the next big thing coming up is actually something that I'm doing with CrossFit at our gym, which is kind of cool. Um, we're partnering up with a 
military, something to do with military. I don't know the exact company, but there are six of us that are doing a 24 hour event where we're gonna be doing a workout every hour on the hour. So for those that are in the CrossFit community and you know what a wad is, it just means workout of the day. So we are doing 24 hero wads, which the hero wads are always named after somebody who lost their life fighting mm -hmm. for our country. Um, so we're doing 24 hero wads in 24 hours, um, but we're doing it as partners. So it's three guys and three girls, and I'm one of one of the one of the ladies that'll be doing it. So I'm really excited about that, and that's early November. Um, which you know I'm a little nervous about that because it's 24 hours, and it's not worried about the sleep. More worried about the eating and then just keeping that body kind of going for 24 hours. I mean, we'll, we'll do a workout and have a little break until that next hour comes up. But, I mean, some of those workouts are pretty brutal. So, we'll see. But those are my, yeah, those are my next couple things. And I'm looking forward to them. So. Awesome. I think it's fascinating uh, just how much you're willing to push yourself <laughs> um, and put yourself in continuous... Pain. Chall <laughs> challenges. You're okay. you're continually challenging yourself and pushing your limits, and I think that speaks a lot about you. Where can these people out there kind of follow your career and kind of all these events that you just mentioned, the CrossFit stuff, the next race, all that? Yeah. So um, I'm I usually like to post on Instagram and I also on Facebook most of the time as well because I do have some friends that are only on on Instagram and some that are only on Facebook. So and I know a lot of people just aren't even on Facebook anymore. Um, but on Instagram I'm Nick Fish five one two so N I C F I S H five one two, and I think it's been fun with getting into the whole Spartan community because. A lot of Spartan people will follow me when I do, you know, hashtag Spartan, hashtag Spartan race, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the same with the CrossFit community, hashtag CrossFit, those types of things. People will start to follow you if you post things and vice versa. I mean, I follow CrossFit athletes. I follow some people that are out there, also just age groupers, Spartan people, just seeing what they do for training, just getting new ideas, um, how they train for different things, just, just to um, kind of get those ideas of everything. So... Um, so yeah, so it's, it's fun. Um, I'm not somebody that posts every day. I usually, you know, post with upcoming stuff or once I've completed something, I'll post after, uh, but every once in a while I'll post or at least do like a story. I, I usually do stories every day, but, um, but yeah, so I guess you can follow me there if you really want. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Thanks for coming on. Um, I really appreciate the time. Best of, of luck. You know, with all your future endeavors, teaching, coaching, Spartan racing, and, and etc. Thank you. Let me know when you want to do race. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm so glad that you took the time to listen in, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Nicole. The biggest takeaway for me was how Nicole has been able to handle the mental and physical exhaustion while continuing to strive to new heights. A follow-up since this episode was recorded, Nicole actually competed with the pro-slash-elite group for the first time in her most recent race down in Virginia Beach. She stepped up after they were short a few contestants, something that really truly speaks to her mindset of being willing to take on any new challenge. I ask that however you have been listening, whether on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or another platform, Please share this episode with at least one person today. 
You never know who you might be able to impact by doing so. Subscribe to our channel so that you'll be sure never to miss an episode. And follow me on Instagram at ccamp underscore fit to keep up with all things athletic mindset. Come back on Friday as I welcome on my former college training partner and Delaware record holder, Alex Tooley. Have a great week.